In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Eric Johnson. And I'm Emily Jones. Today we're not actually watching anything, but instead we're reading Watch Men by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Released in 12 issues between 1986 and 1987, I had no idea it was that old, it's one of the most important graphic novels ever written, and it asks the questions that Marvel and DC are usually avoid. What if superheroes were real, and what the heck is a superhero anyway? I've seen the unfortunate... Unfortunate doesn't even begin to cover the movie adaptation. <laughs> like, But you've seen it anyway. I have I have seen it. Uh, I might go with tra- traumatizing more than unfortunate. <laughs> um, and just weird and impossible to follow and terrible in every way. But I have never actually read the book, which I'm Wait, which told is, is much better. <laughs> I think I told you that. There's no point. Well, you're in actually the not. Voice there. You're actually not the only person who's told me that. That's, well, that's like, good. Literally, that's when that movie came out, literally everyone was like, "This is nothing like the book. The book is the most amazing." <laughs> what did we they do? We can get into that when we get into when we talk about after we've actually read the book. I actually think the problem with the movie is that it's too much like the book. It's made by the the, the director is like a huge diehard fan and didn't do anything. Like, well, uh, we'll get to that later. Um, well, but, I mean, yeah, it definitely no. was. Um, confusing and i would even say alienating yes. for someone like me who had no idea like what the world even was or who the characters well, and that's are. the thing like i saw the movie first too and for me like i found it yes also very confusing and not a very good movie in a lot of ways but i was intrigued enough to uh, and after i heard of course the same hype that you did of like oh well the book is much better um so that got me to pick up you know a, co- a copy of the book and uh that was like my first real like quote-unquote serious graphic novel um you know because there's obviously there's a long history of, of superhero comic books right, and of kind course. of lighter fare and watchmen is more on the on the serious side even though it is about serious superheroes um you know it, it ha- it's like it's closer to an actual book it has themes and it has complex political ideas um so uh yeah i'm curious to see what you think so am i all right, well, we're going to go. So what we're going to do is, uh, same as we did for Sabriel, we're going to split this in the two, into two episodes. Um, so for this episode, we're going to read the first six issues of Watchmen. Now, there's no point in trying to collect them separately. All of the, You can get them very easily, just collected as one book. But we're going to read up through the end of issue six. Okay, will do. See you after the break. Farewell. Right. At midnight... Hey there, this is Eric again, just cutting in to remind everyone that if you have not read at least the first half of Watchmen, please pause this and go do that right now. We are about to get into spoiler territory, and really, trust me, this book is amazing. You definitely want to be reading along with us. I also want to take this time to remind you that please check out our Patreon page. This is the website where you can uh, support Giant Geek versus Mega Noob, just making a small monthly donation. Uh, check us out, patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Geek versus noob, and as always, geek versus noob. It's spelled geek vs and then noob with two zeros. 
check it out. Okay, now on to Watchmen Part 1 Spoilers. And we're back. We just got finished reading the first half of Watchmen, and we need to get down to talking about it because I'm really eager to read the second half, so this is kind of a problem. Uh, that that is that's wonderful to hear. I, just, <laughs> I, I, lo- I love hearing that. <laughs> All right, so before I share my thoughts, um, why did you make me read this? Uh, well, that's that's a good question, Zenny. I mean, we have, uh, as we've mentioned many times, we have a, a list of just sort of a master list of things one person loves that the other person hasn't read or, or watched or whatever. This was on my list from the start. Um, it's a book that I, I very, very much love. I've read it. This is coming up on 10 times here. Whoa. Um, and I'm not sure uh, I've read anything 10 times. Well, I mean, it's it's read in the sense of like I've read through like read every single word fewer times than that, but like there've been many times where I've just been like, oh, that one scene where I've like flipped back and like read through, <laughs> okay. or I've, or okay. I've looked at the pictures or or whatever. Um, like watching favorite episodes of a TV show over and over. Or something exactly, like that. yeah. So it's it's maybe not a direct comparison, but <laughs> um, I'd say one of the things that is that I really love about Watchmen is just. I don't know. This is coming from personal experience. I'm not sure. Like, I prior to this, I had only read a couple comic books. Like, I'd read some when I was a kid, but I was not like a big comics fan. I've read none. You've read um, none. Okay, so yeah, great. So I mean, we're on I've the same the, page. Then. I read the graphic novel Persepolis, but right. Um, but, but like, in I don't terms think. Of... I mean, maybe I like glanced at one of my brother's Green Lantern comics like once or twice, but like I never like no, not yeah. at all. So I think Watchmen is like both an amazing introduction and also sort of like starting at the top. Like you can't get any <laughs> better in terms of the. Nothing's ever going to be this good ever again. Well, just in terms of the craft of the of the panels and of, and of really using the medium of the comic so well. Um, so, like for instance, one of the issues that we read for this episode is called Fearful Symmetry. Um, or I guess if it were going by the original, maybe it's supposed to be Fearful Symmetry. I'm not sure, but um, it's it's the episode. Oh, is it because of the song it's from? The, the poem, the the Tiger, Tiger, Bernie, right? No, you don't know that one? I know the poem, but you're supposed to say Symmetry, or is that just what it rhymes with? I I, I mean, that's what it rhymes with. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know poetry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Fearful Symmetry, we go with that. Um, so that one, uh, there's, there's a couple things that that are that are great about that. So that that's the that's the issue that's about Rorschach primarily. Um, okay. Or rather, it's it's it, no, sorry, that's wrong. It's the one before the one that's just about Rorschach. It's the one that ends with him getting captured, where it starts off with him investigating Moloch okay, and yeah, ends yeah, yeah. with him discovering Moloch's like, body and then like getting captured. Kind of sets him up to be caught. Right. Okay. And there, uh, it throughout that issue. Because it's fearful symmetry, so on one level there's Rorschach who's got you know symmetrical, yes, symmetrical Rorschach face. test face. Throughout that whole issue, there's reflective surfaces everywhere. There's puddles and mirrors and things like that. Are there now? But we're gonna pretend that we didn't just lose a bunch of audio and are re-recording this part. <laughs> no, I'm just but, no. I was genuinely saying like I I gen I did not notice that at all. Right, and you're not supposed to. But the the bigger thing though, and the, which you also wouldn't notice, is that all the panels throughout the whole issue are reflected. So the first three panels are Rorschach at Malik's place. The last three are Rorschach at Malik's place. What? The next two are Laurie and Dan. It goes it goes back and forth like that. And then the very dividing line, the center of the issue, is the attack on Adrian at, at Vite headquarters, which is the giant panel of him smashing the right. assassin with, with, with the trophy. 
Um, but if you go back, not just the not just the scenes are mirrored, but also the sizes of the panels are exactly mirrored. Everything is Seriously. perfectly meticulously planned. It is it is so brilliant. So that's one of the reasons Whoa. why I've reread this so many times. It's little things like that. Whoa, yeah, you probably notice different stuff every time. Yeah, I do. That's crazy. <laughs> There's definitely stuff I noticed this time that, that that I that I haven't noticed before. Like what? It would get into spoiler territory for for the second okay, half, fine. so I will hold my tongue. Fine. Sorry. Um. So anyway, on the on the meticulous planning and uh, you know, how it, to some extent that's a thing you can do with comics, um, that you can't do in other things. That's one of the things that I really liked. Um, was you know, obviously I didn't notice the panel yeah. sizes being the same or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I, it's really cool the way that um, different narratives can can layer on each other in, in one panel or, like, in yes. a series of panels um, because the – it's like – and, okay, I'm gonna just going to preface this by saying this is going to sound like an extremely stupid comment to anyone who has ever, like, read comics or graphic novels before – Um, but the way that the different, like, narrative, narrative tools isn't the right thing, but the different forms of narration that there are, so there's dialogue, and there's captions, and there's, there's certain types of text, like there's Rorschach's journal, and there's the comic that the kid sitting on the street is reading, Mm -hmm. and, and there's all these different things, um, you know, because those are denoted by, uh, like, colors of background and styles of of writing and stuff um you can they overlap like where the words are coming from and where the and the 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 picture and the picture and the the picture that they're showing up on top of yes exactly the action and the words um you can separate the action and the words from each other um in a way that doesn't work in almost any other medium that i can think of i mean i guess sort of like voiceover in film could sometimes achieve the sometimes. same effect but not but, always yeah so you so one of the things i thought was so cool for instance was um the scenes between uh oh what is her name lori yes probably and dr manhattan yes um when they were like intermixed with the the interview with the previous his previous girlfriend yeah, yeah, and the Jamie reporter Slater. um you know it, it, it's on the one hand it's like kind of obvious like oh his two girlfriends like have had this very similar experience mm-hmm. with him but like it wasn't done in an obvious way because they did it because they have that tool of like the words being a certain color or whatever they have the ability to use like the quotes from the interview and they're clearly still coming from that that interview they're not things that Lori is saying Right. Lori. Yeah, Lori. Okay. Um, they're not things that she <laughs> is saying, but they're clearly the things that she is like thinking or the things that are happening with her. Like I thought that that was just like so cool and like not something you can pull off very effectively without it being like cheesy and horrible yeah. in in a lot of other uh forms of storytelling. 
I guess. There's a, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's one another thing that that's really well done. And there's only one point I think in the entire book where that thing annoys me, and it's in it's in this half. It's where Doctor Manhattan is getting ready for his TV interview, and there's some someone's talking about getting tangled up in something. While it's the sh- the picture of him like getting his tie, like using his mind to tie his tie, and it's just like that. That's like the one point where it's like okay, he's back a, a bit literal. on the, on the a, a little <laughs> little bit a little too much. But other than that, um. How long did it take you to figure out what Tales of the Black Freighter was? The uh, the pirate comic. Uh I don't know because I was texting you about it and you confirmed. <laughs> like but you figured it out. No, but before I said anything, you figured it out though. Like you said, like oh, is it this? Um, I don't know. Like a couple pages of it happening, I guess. Like okay. Well, because it's it it's, took me a lot longer than that. Is what, are, is what I'm getting to. It took me up. embarrassingly well, I to, I long. You know what? I'd have to look back at the pages and actually see. Because yeah. um, one thing is like the words uh, that like tan text from the page from that book yeah. are popping up um, way before you see the silhouette of the guy sitting on the sidewalk. So mm-hmm. it di- it confused me like until maybe the second or third time you actually see a picture of the guy on the sidewalk and he's right. clearly reading and it was like, oh, OK, especially because like that came it comes in in a part that until you know who Rorschach is later, like doesn't have anything to do with anyone else you've met yet. It's like this like pontificating newsstand salesman. Yeah. And weird words from a book that you don't know are from a book. And right. it like takes a while to figure out that like it's a newsstand salesman and a guy sitting next to the newsstand and like it it takes a while for that to come up. Like Well I mean but well, that's the whole thing. This is one of the things that get lost in translation from book to film is characters like the 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 newsman and and the kid reading next to him. Right. They have no place in a film. Right, and but but they they're they're part of the world building absolutely because they they are sort of the 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 normal people facing possible nuclear apocalypse. Like right. I think the same thing that you're referring to, where you start to see the brown text before you see the kid, is like it's overlaid over a guy putting up a nuclear fallout shelter poster right, on, right, on right. the wall across the street. You know. Well, and also the the ramblings of the of the the newsstand guy I think are also in part of that again I'd have to look back but yeah it's yeah no that's really cool I I think that that text interplay business is very very cool yeah so uh what did you think of the uh speaking of text of the non-comic sections of the oh I that was that was so appreciative of that especially the first one uh, the 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 uh, the one about the uh, Wagner, the guy the guy listening to it, and, and yeah, his... well, not even so much that particular anecdote, but the the like when it became clear that those were going to be in there, like when the first one showed up, and like some of the detail that are, that's in that, but then especially, I guess it's the second one that's also a passage from the same memoir mm-hmm. um, as the Wagner story yeah. um, that actually starts to like really illuminate like who people are and how it all happened and everything. Um, but that, the, I did find the first, um, I found the first issue, like until the narrative, the, the non-comic part happened, I, I found it very, like, I, I like barely knew what was going on. Like I, right. I barely, barely had my bearings because I didn't know who any of the characters were. I'm completely unfamiliar with the medium. So I don't know the the visual and narrative language mm-hmm. well enough to like quite figure I was ba- so I was barely figuring out what was going on and what words were connected with who and like um but then those it things did make me, help you make sense of it right it did make me like barely remember the plot of the movie which I don't remember any of the rest of the plot of the movie but like once the opening like started to roll out and like mm-hmm. happen I was like 
oh, right. I do remember that it started and there was a murder and the, okay. Um, but yeah, the, that whole thing took me like a really long time to yeah. get my bearings on. And so, yeah, when it, when it turned out that like, oh, we're going to have like snippets from the real world, actual narration, like, whew, whew, I'm wiping my hand across <laughs> my brow for those of you who can't see. Um, Great for a podcast. Because uh, it was like, okay, like there's going to be a little bit of like narrative to this. They're also, especially the later ones are like really well done. Like, um, uh, Rorschach's file with yeah. like things paper clipped to it and all this stuff. It's like mm-hmm. it, that stuff is ju- it's just really well constructed. Visually. I also really like the um the, the history of the comic books where they they've constructed <laughs> entire people and they've had like so little meta. As- so little asides meta. about like oh yeah the artist and the writer didn't like each other but they worked together anyway until they got sick of each other. It's like I bet that's based on real interactions. Of you course know? it is. Yeah no that's super meta. Um yeah that was really fun. Uh, it especially like, I mean, obviously by the time that happened, I had already very much figured out like what was going on in the narrative of the tales of the black pirate or whatever. And tales of the black freighter. Yes. Black freighter. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, like I figured out where it was coming from and also like what the story was and where the story was going. Like I had gotten both of those things, Yeah. but it was really nice to like find out a little more context of like what the story was and who the person was and what the black freighter was and everything. So, yeah. Now, and apparently, I haven't watched it because everyone says it's even worse than the movie. Apparently, Zack Snyder did uh, direct, I guess, an animated like spinoff thing for Tales of the Black Freighter no. to go along with the movie starring no. Gerard Butler because, of no. course, Gerard Butler. Yeah, so no. it's just kind of, you know, no. it's one of those things where, I don't know, we can get into this more in the second half. But just like the limitations of film versus a book, the, the comic book, there, there's so many more things you can do with, with the narrative that I think um, Terry Gilliam once called this book unfilmable, and I still think he's right. <laughs> um, you know, I think it gets it. Um, it gets it. One of the problems with film adaptation of anything from a different, well, really adaptation from any medium to another medium. Yeah. <laughs> whether it's whether it's a book or a comic book to film or a film to TV or even film to book to some extent. Um, You know, I think there's, there's too much of a temptation to try to be what the original was, but just on film or like on TV or whatever it is. Um, And yeah, I don't think you could do this in film. I don't think it's, it would be impossible to make a good Watchmen movie. Okay. I agree with that. But it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Watchmen the graphic novel on film. It would and it be... wouldn't be the same. The things that we, we are highlighting that we love the most about the book would not be able to be carried over. Right. Like I think I think you could put this story and these characters to film and have it be faithful to what happens in this while also being like good and a good movie. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't just like make the things happening in the panels be like at, like right. shots in a film like that doesn't work yeah <laughs> which and they've, which, they've also made uh, what, DC... it's, it's now i haven't seen the movie since it was in theaters um so yeah. obviously there's a big disconnect there and i don't really remember much of what happens in the movie but my memory of the film that was happening in my head while i was reading especially the first issue mm-hmm. of this was that that was pretty much what they did was like kind of like a shot for shot like it's not exactly shot for shot but yeah they, they did a lot of um 
this they structure the narrative similarly it's like right and, and they, they they took out a lot of the things that add color to to the to the film like like the newsman and, and the and the tales of the black freighter and all that stuff and they just kind of go through in a very like same order of, of scenes and right exactly in a lot of the dialogue i i feel like they didn't change enough actually i feel like it, it was it was kind of uncanny valley adaptation where it was you know too similar to 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 the original but not close enough because it lost because of what it lost right it's like they um, needed to they needed to uh the way the only way you could do a good movie of this would be to explode it kind of you know right. you couldn't keep the scenes in the same order like I don't know what it would be, whether you'd have to tell it a little bit more linearly. Yeah. Uh, or I, I will say, though, the movie did give us be. one amazing thing. The movie gave us one thing I'm very thankful for, which I did not appreciate when I saw the movie because I hadn't read the book back then. And then once you finish the book, you should go back and watch this. Okay. The opening credits to the Watchmen movie are maybe my favorite opening credits scene to any movie, or definitely in the top ten. Wow. Um, Whoa. It is. It That's is a like, statement. It, it, it is really, for, for someone who's read the book, basically it's packed with all these details, and it's, and it's very much like the book. It's a very meticulously constructed uh, little story. Basically, it's it's using the credits to tell the story of the Minutemen and how they got to Oh, the backstory and stuff? Because, because they cut out so much of that in, in, right. in the actual movie. Like, it's really on its own like you could, Zack Snyder could have released the credits as a short film and I think like I would have I would have just been like great job you know <laughs> yeah you can stop there like yeah <laughs> it, it's it's so good for but but the thing is because he's a fan of the book it's full of stuff that's only gonna make sense if you know know the book already and if you know the characters already and so for someone watching the movie it's it's worthless. Like for someone who's just a casual fan, just watching the movie, who's not a fan, right? Of the they books, wouldn't be able to follow it. This great credit scene just means nothing. It's just certain, well, I mean, you can follow it. Like you can more or less figure out what's going on if you if you don't if you. But you know, all the all the effort that that went into the best part of the movie is completely wasted on you know. Yeah, on that's just unfortunate. The, the medium, yeah. So, what did you think of the? I guess did you have a preference for uh, things that were for the for the issues that were more plot focused that were sort of advancing the story forward or the ones that were sort of diving deep into one character or another? Like, I mean, did I don't know um, what did because the the book kind of changes its pace a lot in terms of whether or not the action is moving forward or whether we're just kind of going deeper into into the history, you know? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know that I really have an answer for that. I think they balanced it really well because. But well, do you have a favorite? Be, I guess of what of what we read so far. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm gonna. I might formulate an answer as I talk. I'm not sure. Okay. Um. Okay. But no, because what I was gonna say is that um, I I do think they 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 balanced it well because like they couldn't just do chapter after chapter. This is again. These are obvious statements, but they couldn't just do chapter after chapter of character development because it would just be like, right. okay, really, um. But, you know, so they have to move the plot forward. But also, like, I found myself really deeply appreciating the the ones with a lot of flashbacks and the ones with deep dives into different characters um, mm-hmm. because it was kind of like, like, oh, thank you. Like, thank you for giving me this and explaining this to me. So I guess I think I probably like the deep dives better, but they couldn't stand alone. Like they have to exist right. with, with the rest of the plot and everything. Do I have a 
favorite chapter or or issue um i'm not sure i mean maybe um the i also can't remember necessarily where all the divisions are in them yeah um because i read it kind of fast but yeah uh the maybe the one with um that i already i already mentioned the the juxtaposition of um dr manhattan's actually no wait no the one about the one about Dr. Manhattan where he's the one where he's on Mars, where he's on Mars and he's jumping around in time. Yeah. That, that might be my favorite of what we've read. That, so that, far. That's the litmus test for were you paying attention in the first half of the book? That, 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 that's that was just, so cool. <laughs> that, that is such a good, Oh my God. I love that one. Okay, good. We're, we're on the same page there. No, no need for argument there. <laughs> it's just, it's just really, really cool and done so well. Like, um, and I also, I feel like that's a case where, uh, the way that they tell his backstory in that way, like mm-hmm. um, that's an opportunity for where we as readers like get to understand him so much in a way yeah. that other people don't like that whole, the whole concept of like the, the way he tells his story of being like, it's this time and it's that time and it's that time and it's this time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, time in the world obviously mean like increasingly little to him. Um, and it's like you you under you start to understand. I mean, you still sympathize with Laurie, like God, right? But uh, you know, you start to understand like why he treats people or says things or does things the way he does. Mm-hmm. Which, that was really cool. I thought, yeah. Personally. And I mean, that's and it's also a perfect companion to I think what we were talking about earlier with sort of the experience of reading a comic where things are being blended together, where you have dialogue from one scene, you know, folding over into another. So, sort of the, the, that idea of overlapping narratives. Um, yeah. Doctor Manhattan is just like a perfect, a perfect character for 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 exactly this this type of this style. Right, where you know? things aren't linear. Yeah. Um. Speaking of flashbacks, though. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Maybe I'm being um. Maybe I'm being a little parents' television council on this, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not really sure I needed the graphic rape scene. Yeah. Like. You know, I, I get that. <laughs> you know, I I appreciated uh I I appreciate that um that Lori like stands up for her mom um and I actually I appreciate the complicated relationship that the mother has with all of that stuff and that Lori has with it. I really like I I appreciate that portion of it. Um and overall i thought that the flashbacks surrounding the comedian that really showed like what a pretty scary and and screwed up guy he is was mm. um but you know i'm not sure i needed the graphic rape scene that's all i'm saying mm. or attempted rape i guess there was a lot yeah. of blood though i mean i know it didn't happen but there was a lot of blood yeah hooded justice comes in yeah. to stop it yeah just in time but you know yeah she's still bleeding pretty pretty profusely from her face yeah uh, i thought no he's bleeding from his face is he is, bleeding isn't that... there's a lot of blood there's a lot of blood in but bo- oh, i no, think no, I'm th- I'm i think of... i remember him her bleeding yeah no you're, you're yeah. right and that scene and that's in he attacks her face and then the scene where he's in vietnam the, the woman attacks his face that's what i, I, yeah. got, I was getting the two confused yeah yeah um just what you do know. you think of what do you think of the alternate history. I know you texted me at one point being like, Nixon wait, is, still president. is Nixon still president? So, yeah. 
thoughts? Oh, alternate history is so fun and tiring as a thought experiment. Yeah. Um, they've run with their alternate history and uh, it's good in a world building sense. Um, you know, I'm, I am historically speaking now, uh, for context, dear listeners, Eric and I both majored in history at the same obnoxious liberal arts institution. So (laughs) we both probably have strong feelings on these things. Uh, but I am, I am not a very, uh, strong believer in the, um, in the one person or one event hmm. determination theory, uh, vein kind of, like of butterfly effect type vein stuff. Of historical one thinking. thing changes everything. Not even butterfly effect, but yeah, yeah, I guess kind of like you know, I'm I'm not a big believer in, um, in the school of thought that takes mm-hmm. that you know, if a dis- different person was a general during this war, if Kennedy mm. hadn't been shot, if uh. You know, if we'd won Vietnam, if mm-hmm. we if the North had lost the Civil War, like whatever it is, that that would like completely reverse everything. I mean, it would change a lot of things. There's no denying that any of those things would change a lot of things. But I there I think there's a really strong tendency, um, especially with with more recent things like like a, a popular one mm-hmm. among people is what if Kennedy hadn't been assassinated? What if Kennedy had lived? Sure. And so many people are like, you know love to oh like would we have you know would vietnam have gone differently would would we have had the civil rights act years earlier like blah blah I mean, blah he and was I'm like, in vietnam like johnson didn't start vietnam, no i know so i know i know and i you know my feeling on that is always like honestly i think the biggest difference in like the biggest historical difference if kennedy had not been assassinated would be uh we would have a different view of kennedy <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> he would have had time to get as mixed as all of the other presidents. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, all of this is to say, like, from like a historical standpoint, I'm not sure I buy like if Vietnam had been a grand success, Nixon would have stayed in the White House and there would have been a and I don't I'm no I'm sure that's not supposed to be the only determinant. But like that well, seems I, to I be the big I'm going to interject here. I, I, I'm going I'm to. OK, you yeah, because... yeah, yeah. You can interrupt me. I've been talking for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but um, no. I think you're confusing causes and symptoms. Vietnam and Kennedy are are the results. They're not the causes of alternate history. They're the results of the existence of Dr. Manhattan. God exists, and he's American. Like, that that's the thing that changes everything. If, if it but weren't if for that's Dr. The Manhattan... Thing that changes, but if that's the thing that changes everything, why is Nixon president to begin with? I mean... Well, I mean, if you how can it, it change? How because Doctor Manhattan is the reason the U.S. won in Vietnam. Doctor Manhattan is the reason right. that you know. But um, well, that's the thing, though. Is like that's what I'm saying. Is it's it's changing one thing without changing necess- like as okay. Now I haven't. I, I, think, I, haven't... I think what you're what you're getting at, and something that I agree with that you're getting at, is that in the real world, no, the entire world is not hinged on on one person, on the right general being the right war. But we're talking about literally a superpowered being. We're talking about an a, an all powerful right being that exists throughout all I don't, of time. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have uh, won Vietnam given Doctor Manhattan. The thing I'm questioning is 
And I don't know if this is necessarily the claim that it's making. It feels like it is to me, but I mm-hmm. haven't read it 10 times and I haven't finished it. I haven't even read it once. Um, You've read it one half. <laughs> it feels what I'm seeing and what it feels like to me is like we we won Vietnam and like Nixon won re-election and those things seem linked. And it's like, is the theory there like because we won Vietnam, there was no reason not to reelect Nixon. He didn't wasn't concerned about the campaign and therefore didn't send spies in. Like, I, oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I'm I'm like, I'm just yeah. I I don't know. I'm I'm questioning that like, oh, that outcome changes and like therefore nothing else about Nixon like makes him not get reelected. Like, well, I mean that that's the thing though. I mean we we know I don't. We, we we can pick this up in the, in the second episode, the second half of this. Okay, there's more. There's more ever, on this. <laughs> I don't think we ever hear either way about whether or not Watergate happened. I mean, because like the thing with the Kennedy assassination is, Doctor Manhattan knew it was going to happen and let it happen. So it's very possible that the Watergate breaking happened and the comedian. Wait, he just... let. Wait, I I missed that. Oh yeah, it, it was in like I think the second issue. Where it's it's where I mean I knew um, that he failed to prevent it, but I didn't realize he n- knew about it in advance. Yeah, no, he's he's talking to I think it's Janie Slater when she's talking to the reporter, maybe. Um, where it's um, it's him shaking hands with Kennedy and like you know, and he's being presented, or maybe the Dr. Manhattan issue and like when he's on Mars. I'm not sure. I'm jumping around in time. Um, but anyway, he's shaking hands with Kennedy, and then he's like. Uh, and then, and then he says, just sort of in, in narration, like you know, uh, two years later, the electric limousine pulls out onto Dealey Plaza, you know, two shots, you know, uh, and then in the next next bit of dialogue, it's ju- it's just happening, I think, in, in in monologue. Yeah, I think it is when Doctor Manhattan's narrating to himself. Um, he says, like you know, J- Jenny blames me for not doing anything, for for knowing about it and not doing anything. Um, oh, I missed that. Because basically, he can see that happening in 1961, two years earlier, when, when he's shaking hands with Kennedy, he already knows it's going to happen. And, okay, and yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Um, oh, yeah, no, I know what it is. It, ha- it comes up twice. It comes up once with Janie Slater and also earlier on with the comedian saying, like, oh, yeah, you could have turned the, the you know, Oswald's rifle and, into steam or, or whatever, but you didn't. He's basically, when Dr. Manhattan is Oh, right, right, when he doesn't him, stop, when he doesn't stop the comedian from shooting the pregnant, pregnant exactly. Vietnamese lady. Yeah. yeah, you know what I caught? I caught that one, and I didn't catch yeah. the second one, and it, I didn't put together that it was a conscious choice as opposed to a, like, well, that's an thing, error, like, or not a conscious. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, it is a conscious choice, but it's also, it's it's a totally different type of it's, organism that that yeah. exists <laughs> constantly at all times. I just, I, God, I love Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, Doctor Manhattan is cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess maybe ultimately what my I went on that long historical rant, which I apologize for everyone involved, <laughs> Eric and anyone who's listening to you know the, I enjoy I'm this. sure edited version of that of that rant. Um, nope, keeping it all. You know, I'm I'm wondering if maybe I mean so it's a pretty um, obviously it's a pretty dystopian world we're in, right? Uh, yeah, where like it's kind of knocking down the notion that like, Oh, like superheroes would fix everything. It's like, actually the world gets pretty screwed up with superheroes in it. Yep. Um, and I can't help but wonder, I guess, ultimately if Nixon remains a like constitutional amendment ratified, uh, four term president in this universe, 
because Nixon is everybody's go-to example of like the smarmiest worst thing <laughs> that could be there leading. I mean, you know, like but you also Futurama, have to remember this was written like, in 1985, 86 when like Watergate was still really recent. I mean, yeah, well, like, but for, that now, makes now it that makes distance. it all the more that makes it all the more uh like powerful or true. Like, wait, let me. As an example of what I mean, now obviously this was not written in 1985, but in Futurama, Futurama, I Nixon called it. I knew you were I had already said I said Futurama like a full minute ago. In Futurama, Nixon is is the president in the future because it's like a it's like a joke. It's like a go to example yeah. of like this is like a screwed up, cynical, weird world that we live in. And so I can't help but wonder if it's like um, you know Nixon is the president because like that it's it's just a really easy like token for like this is this is a screwed up dark world we live in because no one would actually want nixon to still be president i really wonder he's a dystopian president i really wonder what was the first work of fiction dystopian fiction that had nixon as president because it might have been watchmen it very well might have been you know i mean yeah i'm not i'm not accusing after watchmen (laughs) i know i'm not accusing watchmen of being cliched for no but what you're saying is that by now to to us it is cliche no that's not my point that's not my point i'm not calling it a cliche i'm saying like i'm wondering if um the the alt history i'm not okay what i'm saying is I'm not 100% certain the alt history that that I buy the alt history where like okay. the changes affected by Dr. Manhattan and the rest of the Minutemen and everything mm-hmm. uh result in Nixon becoming president. I'm not sure I buy that connection and I feel like okay. they might just be making it to use Nixon as a symbol of this being a okay. fucked up America. I'm not calling it. it a cliche. I'm saying I think it's I it's think it's more of okay. I think it's more of a handy symbol than a necessarily like believable alt history. There. Right. It took me like 25 minutes to get there, but I got there. Yeah, I kind of slowed you down along the way. Sorry. But, um... <laughs> it would have helped if okay, I had I got if I had articulated some points to myself ahead of time. <laughs> Who needs sorry, preparation? Sorry, everyone. Okay, so I don't want to get. I'm. I'm. I, I, there's something I was going to say, but I don't want to say it because it's going to get into too much spoilers for next time. So now might be no a good spoilers. time as any. <laughs> now, now might be a good time as any to to call it on this week and then pick this up, including old history and lots of other stuff. I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to our next discussion because there's all this stuff. I'm. I'm. I'm not looking forward saying. to reading the rest of this book, which, Yay. for reference, I finished like six days ago. It's been well, really frustrating, okay? <laughs> I, I've read it ten times. All right. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> um, so, on my next episode, we'll be doing the second half of Watchmen, but in between, we're going to be doing something else. Something Emily. very different, which I can't actually believe I have just recently, in the last hour, added to our famed list of future episodes, uh, because it has materialized, Eric, that despite your love for Buffy the Vampire Slayer which we mm-hmm. both which we share uh you are actually quite unfamiliar with the rest of Sarah Michelle Gellar's Uber. background <laughs> yes over her her background her her cultural her position in our pop culture and especially her position in our pop culture when we were like 11 years old and she was first dating Freddie Prince Jr who you didn't even know she was married to correct all of which is really horrifying to me, which I just pronounced so weirdly. 
Let's, I'm going to say that sentence again. Hold on. No, 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 no. You don't get to re-record that. All of which is really <laughs> horrifying to me. Okay. It's up to you whether you edit that, and I know you won't. Anyway. Uh, so, as a result of this shocking discovery, we will be watching a film in which Sarah Michelle Gellar is decidedly not Buffy Summers, uh, which is Cruel Intentions. Cruel Intentions. I, I really, I, I was, we were talking over I Am before this, and I had mistakenly thought that Cruel Intentions was Basic Instinct. It's not Basic Instinct. I've seen neither film, and I have no idea what Cruel Intentions is, so looking forward to finding out next time. Well, <laughs> I don't even, I, I'm not even sure how to tell you what it is, but it's quite a film. <laughs> okay, then. Well, uh, join us next time for Cruel Intentions. Until then, Emily, where else can we find you online? I am on Twitter at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter at Hey Hey ESJ. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob signing off. And going back to reading Watchmen. Who watches the Watchmen? Uh, we do. In their book. This has been Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com. 